Well, welcome everyone. We have another episode of She's in Tech here. My name is Susan and I'll be hosting this podcast. You can find me on Twitter at, at Suki Supremo. And currently I'm working as a software engineering apprentice here at this time. Hello everyone. My name is Maria Loza. I am a software engineer, three years in professional experience. And you can find me at Twitter using the handler at this underscore underscore Maria. Hi everyone, my name is Daisy Nolan. I am a software engineer at a company called Publicist. You can follow me on Twitter at Daisy underscore Nolan. Hi everyone, my name is Star. I am a makeup artist turned coder and self-taught the past year. You can find me on Twitter at Allison Star. It's A-L-I-C-E-N Star. Awesome. Did you work your tail off to get that senior developer gig just to realize that senior dev doesn't actually mean dream job? I've been there too. My first senior developer job was at a place where all of our triumphs were the bosses and all the failures were ours. The second one was a great place to continue to learn and grow, only for it to go under due to poor management. And now I get job offers from great places to work all the time. Not only that, but the last job interview I actually sat in was a discussion about how much my podcast had helped the people interviewing me. If you're looking for a way to get into your dream job, then join our Dev Heroes Accelerator. Not only will we help you get the kind of exposure that makes you attractive to your dream employer, but you'll be able to ask them for top dollar as well. Check it out at devheroesaccelerator.com. And we are super excited to have Star be featured in our podcast today. We're going to go over a few different topics, but a lot of it is sort of under the umbrella of being a junior developer. So we're going to have Star talk about her background a little bit, as well as just her coding journey in general. And we'll talk about a few things such as how do you stand out amongst other junior developers? And during this journey, when you're finding your learning style, how did you find that? And what are some tips that Star might have for other women in tech or other new devs that are listening? So I'll let Star take it away. Yes, I guess the thing that I want to tackle first is finding your learning style, because that was one of the first things that I focused on when I started teaching myself to code. Mm-hmm. And for, I guess, for an additional background, I didn't take any boot camps. I decided that I wanted to just learn everything myself. I took a couple online courses with Harvard, like the CS50 and their web programming Python and JavaScript course. But everything else, they're, they're mostly self-guided. So when I started out, I actually took a learning how to learn course. It's free on Coursera, and they might actually have it on some other platforms too. But it's super cheesy, but it is extremely helpful. And I would 10 out of 10 recommend it to anyone. They just kind of tell you like the science behind like how we learn and give you like tons of effective tools for how to learn. So I thought that was extremely helpful. It also just gave me the confidence that like, oh, my brain is built to learn difficult things. Like even if I'm struggling with something now, like it'll, it'll come together eventually. Like they tell you about how like the neurons work and everything and how even when you're not working on something like in the background, they're still forming connections. Like it was just all very helpful and reassuring, but I thought that was super helpful. And then also along with that, it's, there's so many different ways to learn coding. Like, you know, there's articles, videos, courses, boot camps. I could go to school, but so it's kind of important in the beginning, I think, to experiment and see what works best for you. Like for me, I know I don't really learn well from like reading those coding books. I did read a couple, but it was definitely a struggle and I noticed things went a lot slower. I found that I learned the best with, again, like a course. And I think the Harvard ones were especially helpful because they don't 
it's not like a tutorial where they're like, write this and then write this and then write this. It, it was very much just here are the requirements, figure it out, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is difficult, but I thought it was extremely helpful. So if you are wanting to learn Python or JavaScript, I think those courses were great for beginners. Yeah. Especially since your background previously was non-technical, did you feel like there were any skills from your previous field, especially as a makeup artist, that either helped you transition into coding or work with different teams or pair program with other people, anything like that? I mean, so specifically as a makeup artist, I was mostly working like one-on-one with people. I was doing freelance makeup, but also working as a retail makeup artist, like at a counter with a team. And then before that, I was in restaurants for five years. So those are like that's kind of my background. But so I'm very, I think that helped me be able to work on a team and just like really encourage me to want to like help my team team members. Like I really enjoy that environment where we're all just like bouncing off each other, supporting each other. I think it's great. But I mean, I don't know. Um, I think it really just helped with like the team building. Everything else was very foreign and difficult, <laughs> but it was fun. <laughs> You know, it's really interesting about all of us being here. I think all of us do come from pretty different backgrounds in terms of not only work experience, but also how we came into coding. So Star, you had mentioned pretty much self-starter, self-learner. I personally went through um, a boot camp. um, So that's how I got into coding initially. And then I know Daisy and Maria have some different backgrounds as well. Yeah, I'm uh, actually self-taught as well. My background was in marketing and public relations. And my husband is an engineer. And I hate to say that I'm self-taught because my husband was really huge in my journey of like learning, but it doesn't fall under, you know, a traditional background or a boot camp. So I guess it is considered self-taught. But yeah, I mean, uh, like you're saying, it's super important to find out like what works best for you. I had gone to a university before working on my undergrad. And when I decided to transition into tech and, you know, I was thinking what's going to be the best way for me that for me was being self-taught, but I've had so many other engineers reach out and I encourage them to say, you have to kind of reflect like, do you have the discipline to teach yourself how to code? Or do you need that structure that you have assignments and you have tests? Like uh, everybody does learn completely different. Same with, you know, if you are like self-taught, if you're a kinesthetic learner, you want that hands-on or if you're more auditory or, you know, visual. So yeah, like I think uh, that course sounds pretty awesome as far as like learning how to learn because yeah, I mean, that's, I think, key, especially trying to find out what avenue you want to learn. Yeah. And then for myself, I was a chemistry major, turned to a computer science major very early on in my chemistry major um, career. I just couldn't find the passion in it. And I knew I wanted to do something with computers and programming seemed cool at the time. So I went for it and I enjoyed it very much. Um, So for me, it was more visual learning was what really got my attention books were okay but again they were kind of slow and it's like I feel like they're giving more description than necessary especially for beginners like I get the detail when you really want to sink yourself into it even more but I enjoyed visualization so I looked YouTube it a lot and even then that was a, a hit or miss because sometimes they'll ramble on and you're just wanting to get to the point so for me it's like my learning skills are visual and kind of get to the point and then also examples I love examples that to me makes it everything click so if you're giving me like xyz it takes me a little bit longer to understand what's going on but if you give me a an actual scenario I can get it to the point where like oh okay that would explain why 
this variable needs to be done this way. Da, 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 da. So that's that's kind of how I learned it. And I think it helped a lot going through college courses because every teacher had a different way of teaching. And then with that meeting with students as well, it's kind of like, oh, you know, I, I prefer doing it this way because I'm not getting it in class. And there was a lot of kind of a, a buddy system, especially when we were in a harder courses and it's, it felt like the teacher was almost against us who would uh, group up together and try to like teach each other so that itself also helped with um getting to the point where what I like uh, in my learning style nice that's awesome I was also going to say with uh what AC mentioned earlier another thing I thought was extremely vital when I first started learning um and I think this goes whether you're self-teaching or just again, like attending a boot camp or in college or anything, it's important to um, make sure that you have the discipline to start. Like when I like first decided, okay, I'm going to take these courses. Like I'm going to be really serious about this. I set up a notion page for my learning and like made like a syllabus and listed out all of my courses and I made weekly goals and things like that. And I thought it was super helpful. I also listed like my goals and also the reasons like, why am I doing this? Like, what do I have to look forward to? Like, I think it's important to have some kind of structure because, and also have like those reasons in your mind why you want to do it. Because, I mean, it does get, you know, there's difficult times where you kind of are like, why am I doing this? Is this even, am I even going to make it? Like, Mm. you just kind of want to give up. But I think if you have your why, it helps. Yeah, I would have to completely. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just wanted to also agree with that because. Starting off as a programmer, it's it's almost overwhelming, right? Because you start mm-hmm. trying to figure out where do I start, you know? And then you start digging into what should be my fundamentals, but then you start finding out these frameworks and these libraries and like, what do I learn? Like, what what, what is it? It's the base. So having that structure is very helpful because then you're not going down that rabbit hole and feeling that anxiety of like, maybe I can't do it. There's so much there, mm-hmm. you know, that I have to learn. But as long as you learn the base, that's really all you really need. So. I definitely also emphasize having some kind of structure and definitely having, this is why I want to do it. You know, your goals. It's always nice to be able to visually, <laughs> visually see them because that's kind of what gives you at the end of the day, that, that motive to keep forward. And especially when you're like going through that interview process, like, especially if, you know, you're, if you're looking for that first job and I mean, especially the past like year and a half, uh, the metrics have been probably even scarier than what they are. But, mm-hmm. um, whenever you're, you're going through that, you you have some intense imposter syndrome and having that why written out, I think that definitely helps when everything just feels so dark and gloomy and you just, you question like, did I make a mistake doing this? So yeah, I mean, having that why written down definitely helps with that part too. Yeah. Like, especially working as a junior dev, I felt like my transition from going from non-technical to technical, like the two big things all of you guys have mentioned are knowing the why and having some sort of structure. And I realized that learning something technical, like my way of learning something technical was way different than when I learned something non-technical. So the structure actually looked different depending on what I was learning. And even with the why, like one thing I definitely want to remind people too is like your why is no more or less important than anyone else's why. Like everyone's going to have their own reasons and factors for why they're switching careers, wanting to go into tech, whatever it may be. So I definitely encourage people, you know, don't feel discouraged if you don't have some huge story of why you're switching. You know what I mean? You have your own reasons and that's good enough for you. So Daisy, you also bring up a good point about times right now, right? Like we're in May of 2021. 
still going through a pandemic. And luckily, there are some vaccinations and this and that more available. But we're still living in times where it's difficult to go into the office and see people face to face safely, at least. So actually, I guess going back to start, um, you know, as you're transitioning as a new dev, did you feel like becoming a new dev during the COVID pandemic has brought any particular unique obstacles, whether it's learning slash looking for jobs or interviewing or anything like that? I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, I can't speak to how it was before, but I definitely feel like this past year was extremely difficult <laughs> in all aspects. And also just like, like, I think it, this depends on your city, but there a lot of cities have like local meetups for people in tech and whatnot. But during the pandemic, it's, I feel like harder to find those or some of them get canceled or postponed. And so for a while, I was just kind of working by myself, learning by myself, which really wasn't great. <laughs> it, I feel like it's definitely an easier journey when you find other people to connect with and support you on that journey. So I feel like that was a struggle. And then also the whole job search process is difficult since, again, it's entirely online. And again, I feel like the the key to that is finding some ways to, to network even during the pandemic. I know that sounds like a an ugly word, but <laughs> I only like a, a couple months ago, I didn't even try to like reach out to any like coding communities or I, I was in some discord groups for coders that I thought would help, but honestly, they weren't very, and I, and I joined like four of them, but none of them were really very open or supporting. Like a lot of them, if newbies ask questions, they, you were met with a lot of, uh, I don't know, judgment or like pushback or people, it was almost like they gave you a lot of tough love there, which, you know, tough love's great sometimes, but <laughs> This journey is hard and I feel like you actually need just some just some regular love sometimes as well. <laughs> so it wasn't until like I started finding actually like like welcoming nice communities. Like I, I started the going to the this dot monthly women in tech mentoring session, which was awesome. And from there I, I met someone who mentioned the virtual coffee group as well. And virtual coffee has been such a wonderful resource. Like they are such a welcoming community, great for anyone, regardless of like age, race, gender, sexuality, anything like it, it's, it's the best. <laughs> Everyone's rooting for you and it's awesome. And I, I just wish I would have found that sooner, honestly. Mm. I, I have a question. When it comes to communities, there are some people who find those intimidating to join, especially since, as you mentioned, uh, beginner questions could be a hit or miss with a community, right? What advice would you give them to, you know, be able to identify what is a welcoming community and how to proceed with probably, you know, kind of that backlash, that that tough love that you mentioned. Well, I mean, for me with virtual coffee, it was very clear right away that it was a very welcoming community. Like at no point did I feel scared to talk to anyone or ask questions. And there, I actually, like, if you ask a question, like someone will answer it and no one will be rude about it. <laughs> uh, whereas like with the discords, people will ignore you or tell you about something that's unrelated to what you're asking. And so like, I guess before I found virtual coffee, it was important for me to make sure I adapt quickly. So, I mean, it is important to learn how to ask a good question. So I did try to put as much detail and make sure I'm asking as specific of a question as I can. But I, I actually, this whole time I've been talking to my boyfriend, who's also a developer. I, I feel like we should start something like dumb Stack Overflow, where people can just ask 
any question they want and just get an explain like I'm five answer because sometimes you really just need that or like a really high level overview of how these things work before you can understand like the in- the intricacies. I love that. I also think the, when you said the networking, that's super important because I mean, I feel like no matter what industry is, uh, people always say it's who, you know, not what, you know, uh, because you definitely have to get your foot in the door. And especially right now with the pandemic and, you know, so many people are going remote. So you're not just competing with people regionally, but kind of like worldwide with, you know, a lot of these huge tech companies are going remote now too. So I feel like it's more important now to, to network. And what's crazy is I have so many people connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter who don't send any kind of message. They just want to connect to connect. And I'm, I'm trying to tell people like, Hey, if you're wanting to make a professional connection with me, like send me something. I love it when people ask questions and or want advice. And I set specific kind of like office hours where I'll go to LinkedIn and Twitter and, and kind of comb through some of these questions. So yeah, I think it's so important to network, especially these times. And you get that like human interaction that you might not get when you're in lockdown. So yeah, that's true. I mean, I feel like there's just so much out there, right? Like if you even compare just even 10 years ago, like right now, it seems like we have this plethora of boot camps, online resources, online courses, which, you know, on one hand is awesome, but on the other hand, can be very intimidating, very scary, especially for someone new. And let's say you don't know anyone in the community necessarily, but kind of talking about the community, I think all of us at some point in our journeys or even now, we're trying to figure out how we stand out, right? There's so many other developers out there, especially new developers, people who are switching into this career. So just in general, do you guys have any stories or any tips on how do you stand out amongst a sea of other developers? I definitely have some advice. So with since I was self-taught, I knew that I was competing against uh, people with uh, uh, degrees and people with that had boot camp experience. So I knew I had to stand out and I had to get that initial interview because, you know, what I knew once I got that initial interview, my personality would really shine, but it's like, how do I get that? How do I make myself look different? And what I noticed was so many applications just look the same. Um, Everybody, even a lot of the people that were self-taught, they all had the similar uh, portfolios. They had like a YouTube video search, they had to-do apps, and then they had tic-tac-toe, uh, especially if they worked with React, because React's official tutorial is a tic-tac-toe game. Of course, I did all of those. Uh, when I was learning, I took a lot of those same courses and on Udemy, but I was just like, okay, like w- what's going to set me apart? So I began to think of real world examples and problems that I can fix with code. So my husband and I love playing a game called Munchkin. It's a card game. And when we're playing the game, we keep track of all of like the game stats with paper and pen. And my husband was like, hey, like, how about turn that into an app? And I'm like, what? Like that, it didn't even occur to me at the time. And it was actually the perfect way to stand out. I, whenever I finished the project, I posted about it on Twitter and I had a lot of big name devs retweet it and told and, and wrote that if they, if 
they didn't hire me like somebody else will, will was just like, you need to hire her. This stuff is great. And that's how I got a lot of my network connections was through that one app. I even made a golf app and I was learning golf at the time. And again, it's just something just not going to make me a billion dollars, right? But it's just something that was fun for me to use. And I interviewed with a guy whose wife was a trainer at the PGA Tour. And that was a big conversation piece about my app. So I always think that when I tell people to think of examples on how they can solve like real world problems, they the first thing that they say is, well, if I wanted to create a startup or, you know, they'll say like, oh, if I had a great example, I'd create a startup. And that's not it. You can look at an existing app and rebuild it, make it your own, just say something that you can speak upon and that you're really passionate about. It's something that you can like showcase your personality. Yeah. And kind of along with that, like, I I kind of wish I would have leaned into the whole, like, I used to be a makeup artist thing earlier because when I first started out, I mean, I honestly, I mean, I love makeup. And so I had ideas for makeup related apps and sites I wanted to build. But in in my head, I was like, oh, no one in tech is going to care about that. <laughs> but I like, I think that's something that makes me unique. And so I kind of wish I would have leaned into that. And actually with my most recent job interview where I ended up getting the job, the person interviewing me started out by asking like, oh, so you used to be a makeup artist. Like they were very interested. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I ended up finding something else I was passionate about, which is like cryptocurrency and things. And again, it wasn't even anything. I don't know. My my boyfriend thinks it's crazy innovative. I don't think it's that different. It's just a portfolio tracker, except you don't have to log into it. Um, It just saves your holdings based on like the unique URL string that it has. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if there's anything really like that. It's similar to a lot of things, but even just like changing one little aspect of it, like, oh, I don't have to log into this. It's anonymous, so to speak can really make it stand out. Or even if it's just you like something, but you want to change the uh, UI or how it looks just to something that you enjoy more. Um, I think that's really, really important. Awesome. Hey folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there? And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev. I think you guys bring up really great points about that. And even not even just as a junior dev, but a dev in general, right? Like a lot of us get in this field because we have the passion and discipline for it. So why not be our own advocate? Like be your own hype man, be your own cheerleader for your projects and the work that you put in. So I think especially when talking about the deaf community in general, there's definitely an aspect that we cannot leave out, which is mentorship. And I actually have a very unique work relationship with Maria because she was my mentor for a while, being a tech mentor, helping me through any projects that I'm working on, as well as just 
being a sounding board for the different situations and different issues that I was having. And I feel like, especially as a junior dev, being new to the industry, being new to coding, being new to a company, like you always need someone uh, to talk to in that way. So Star, do you feel like in your sort of journey so far, have you explicitly sought out a mentor or do you feel like you've been able to meet people, you know, through Twitter or just through the community in general that you've been able to be sort of a mentee, but also maybe even be a mentor to someone else? Yeah, so actually, Daisy has been my mentor. Thanks, Daisy. But I, I feel like, I mean, I reached out to her just with some genuine questions. Like after um, hearing her talk at the Vistat monthly women in tech mentoring session. And I feel like it just kind of grew organically from there. And Daisy's just very helpful and uh, forthcoming with the help. It's so great. But I feel like also it's important when looking for a mentor, or even just networking in general, like if you're just trying to find people in the industry, like I didn't message just everyone I possibly met. Like I, I don't, I really connected with Daisy's like self-taught background and story whenever I heard her talk at the mentoring session. So, you know, I kind of like related to her. And so I had some things I felt like I could talk about with her. So I think it's important to be, and this kind of applies to like everything, but don't, don't cast a wide net. Like, I think it's, you can even, I know you really want that first job, but it's important to kind of be intentional with who you reach out to. And even on the job search, like don't, again, don't cast a wide net. I, I've heard from a lot of, like a lot of the advice on like CS career questions on Reddit or even like in the Discord groups is just send out hundreds of applications. It's a numbers game. And sure, I mean, if you want to send out like 500 applications, it will be a numbers game. But you have better luck probably actually trying to reach out to someone, connect, or even uh, if you can't meet someone at the company, if you send like a really heartfelt cover letter or just like be intentional, with, like, I really want to work here. Like, this is why, like, it, I think it would make you stand out and it's more effective than casting that wide net. Yes, 100%. So uh, that's why I really recommend if you're going to follow someone on social media with the hopes of networking with them, uh, write them a note. You can just like Allison, sorry, star messaged me and said, Hey, you know, I, I really liked uh, our talk. Your story really resonated with me. Like that was a great first message because then I was just like, Oh, great. You know, I actually mentor on the side and, you know, we could just talk about what she was looking for as a mentor so many, I just get like random connections where I feel like they're going through and just trying to be friends with everyone. And then I never get a, a like a message back or, you know, them introducing themselves. And then a couple months later, I just get a message. Just, I'm looking for a job. And I'm like, I don't really, I'm not going to spend all my time helping you because I don't know anything about your story, your journey. Like, why did you find me? Like, I, I want to know more personally about you before I can refer you to, to a job. So yeah, it's super important to, I think, make those connections. Actually, with my current role, I had worked with this one developer and on a few podcasts, and I didn't know this person personally, but you know, we met online. And I reached out and said, hey, look, I'm actually looking for a new position. Um, I'm, you know, wanting to, uh, to apply to new roles. This person uh, got on Twitter and said, hey, I have a great engineer who's looking for a, 
you know, entry or not an entry level, a junior um, front end position. I got so many responses through that. And I didn't ask them to do that. They just, because we built that relationship, they went out of their way to help me. And that's how I got my position now, uh, which is just amazing to think about. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't recommend casting a why not either. I would focus on making those personal connections. Yeah, the, the amount of times that I also get like those connections on LinkedIn and sometimes I'll recognize the the name because of a monthly mentoring. It's like, oh, you know, maybe there'll be a conversation coming up soon and a week later and it's like, oh, I guess it was just a connection. So it's it's a little frustrating because you want to help these people, <laughs> you know, it's it's but you can't help people who don't put themselves out there, right? So to stand out, you know, definitely use those advantages, connect with people, but like send them a message. You know, if you have questions, definitely ask questions. And it's very important, as Star mentioned, you know, find someone who has the the background that you're looking for, right? Because not everyone's going to have the same background and may not be able to help you to their fullest max. Even so, if you're still wanting to talk to that person, go for it. They might even be able to recommend you to someone else. So that way you can get your career jumping. And then any tips for, you know, to get standing out with a mentor. I feel like what I've said so far is how you get stand out. Really ask those questions and and try to connect with that person in a level. Asking generic questions like, how do I get a job? There's only so much you're going to get because like, I'll, I'll respond to those, but I'll respond with a generic answer because I'm not sure their background, you know, and it seems like they just want an answer kind of quickly. So it's, it's difficult. So definitely that. And I do want to kind of circle back around to what Star was saying earlier. Like she didn't embrace her previous experience with makeup, right? I think that's very important that we need to embrace what we, you know, what our background is because there's so much possibilities there. For example, like if you create a, I'm not sure what you would call it, but like a makeup tutorial or like like some kind of app where you can see your face and then you can like select little makeup. That'd be amazing. Cause for me, I don't know anything about makeup. So like I could be like, those weird terms that you're the fancy terms that you guys use. I have no idea. So like to be able to click on something and be like, Oh, so that's what it would look like. Okay. I can definitely go buy that because now I'm not scared because there's a difference between seeing it on yourself and then like seeing a video about someone else that I think would be a cool app. And I can't make it because I have no idea like what makeup is. So that's why it's very important to embrace what you have. Cause that's very cool. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of go back to that. But that is my my tips on how to kind of stand out with a mentor. And I think it's super, super, super important. I'm sorry, to reach out to a mentor though, because they, they really give you a different perspective because they have so much experience that you may be going through something that they've already experienced. Like for example, imposter syndrome is such a huge thing in the community. They can give you different tips that you may not have read online and how they've, you know, dealt with it. So it's it's very important. And that's why I always advocate for searching out for mentors. Yeah. And if you don't know uh, kind of how to find a mentor, uh, there's so many like groups online, like uh, this dot has the a monthly women in tech mentor uh, mentorship with some amazing uh, engineers and developers there. If you are part of like discord channels, you can reach out to, to people that really inspire you and just ask if they'll be your mentor. 
There's also a website called codingcoach.io, and uh, you can kind of search through for mentors uh, based on your country and your your speaking language and your written language or your uh, you know coding language, and then you can kind of see like uh, a little bit about them if they're wanting to help with just juniors or or maybe like full stack. So uh, that's a really good uh, tool as well, and then. Yeah, I mean, if you're finding people on LinkedIn and Twitter, uh, those are good things too. I, I understand some people are, are shy and not as outgoing, but don't say no for them. Um, if you're really looking for a mentor, just just reach out. Uh, most likely, uh, people are going to be just flattered that you ask them. And if they don't have the time, then they can either refer to you as someone else or just ask somebody else. That's, yeah, just just be sure to ask. Uh, just really quickly, I swear. One thing to note that mentors, as Daisy said, they do have different um, varieties. So not every mentor is a tech mentor. Some mentors are career developers. So it's it's important to really reach out to the people that you're wanting to connect with. And I was just going to give some more um, ideas for places to connect with people. I know I, I maybe gave Discord a bad rap earlier, but I did actually meet some nice people and I would just direct message them questions instead of going through the whole group. But once you, again, the, it's important to put yourself out there. Like I was terrified to even go to the women in tech mentoring session with this dot at first. Like there were so many groups, even like local ones where I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to this online thing. And then I would chicken out like 10 minutes before, but it's so important to just put yourself out there. Cause again, if, if you don't, it's, like you're saying no to yourself before anyone else even has the chance to. And so, but after, I feel like once you like break the seal, like once you go to the first one, it makes everything else so much easier. Like after the women in tech mentoring group, I have signed up for like six more online conferences, not even just mentoring groups, but um, trying to attend like online uh, conferences for maybe like tech you're interested in. Like there's a lot of JavaScript conferences and things like that. Like you can just meet people again by trying to have like a normal conversation even if it's not about tech, like if you just can try to go about it genuinely and organically, like talking about like your interests or something. Again, I feel like people just in general, they care more about the person than necessarily like what you can do. Because a lot of, like Daisy was saying, like a lot of resumes, portfolios, they'll kind of end up looking the same or similar. It's really your personality that's going to set you apart. Very true. That's awesome. I think everyone's shared a lot of just great tips and just resources to help. And I think it's awesome that we can come together to do that. So before we move on to our next session or section of the podcast here, I wanted to open up the floor for anyone who wants to share any last minute tips for maybe other women in tech, our listeners, new developers, or maybe even just developers who are going through sort of a rough patch in their journey right now. It gets better <laughs> and it's really all going to be worth it. I, I just want everyone out there who's maybe struggling or trying to learn to know that. Like, I I mean, I try to tell, like I've had already had, like since I started my journey, a couple of friends reach out and be like, oh, it's cool that you're coding. I've always thought about doing that, but you know, I don't know. I always tell them, it's just important to start. Like just pick, pick any language, just start learning. Your journey can like change and turn from there. But until you actually just pick something and start, it's, you'll never start. <laughs> And again, it's just important to put yourself out there, not be afraid to talk to people, to ask questions, to learn in public. Um, I forget, there's a book where the author talks about learning in public and it's, I just thought that was super powerful. But even like I, 
again, until the month, uh, the women in tech mentoring session, I had never really gone on Twitter too much. Like I had one, but I never posted anything, but tech Twitter is also such a great resource. And I feel like the community is really welcoming. And again, it's a good way to just naturally connect with people again, because people are posting like non-tech things too. So you can laugh together, post memes and that's how you make friends. It's really great. Yeah. My advice would just be to ask questions. Nine out of 10 times, juniors don't ask enough questions. So ask questions. You're not bothering the the seniors. They they might seem like they're busy in the moment, but just, just ask questions. Seniors listening, you can learn things from juniors. It's amazing. I've learned so much uh, being a mentor that I, I mean, and I'm, I'm not even a senior, so I've learned so much. So, and I've been told uh, from seniors that I've taught them stuff. Imposter syndrome happens to everybody. I would recommend try to fail forward. Uh, there's a really good book called Failing Forward, but it just, it, everybody's going to fail and make mistakes, but it's how you get up and dust off. And if you're able to, to be resilient and back, uh, bounce back even better. So yeah, I mean, imposter syndrome is always going to happen even to senior engineers. So just being able to communicate through that or just learn that that's kind of a normal essentially. And then, and my other one is, yeah, just if you're on the fence, if you should learn, just spend a couple hours a week, just See if it's something that that you like. Just get started, and then those that are currently applying, we all know it, it's it's horrible and it and it seems scary. The metrics are are scary, but just keep at it. Be persistent with those asks, and yeah, if you ever need to talk, you can always reach out to us. <laughs> I think for my tip, the one of the first ones would be don't be afraid to also apply for internships because that's also a very good way to connect with people. And uh, as well as improving your skills at that level and then also being able to get more professional experience, right? I feel like that's one of the the downfalls when it comes to trying to get into the tech world, just the lack of experience, sadly. Um, So don't be afraid to apply for those. And then those connections might end up getting you a job at that company or somewhere else. So that's also very helpful. And then another tip that I, I always really like giving is don't compare yourself to other developers or to other people because there's always going to be someone more advanced than you. And no one's on the same level as what I'm trying to say. You should always be comparing yourself to yourself. Like, what did you do last month that you can now do in like five minutes? So that's that's what I always try to make sure because imposter, you know, as Daisy mentioned, imposter syndrome is really real. But we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to other people because that's what really, at least for me, that's what gets to me. So I try to keep like a, a brag document or just stuff that I've accomplished throughout my my life um, and my career. So I can be like, okay, I did that, you know, last month, uh, you know, I found that super difficult. I didn't know what I was doing, but I had to keep through. And now I completely understand it. So definitely keep going forward and we're all in it together. <laughs> I have one more, sorry. If there's a company that you really want to work for and maybe they don't have a position open for where you are currently. So if you're a junior and they only have seniors, still apply and in your cover letter, explain why they should hire you and why you're so excited to work for the company. I did that and I didn't get the senior role. However, the company created a junior role for me. So 
showing that enthusiasm and explaining your why, it, it could help. It's never going to hurt. It could help. That's awesome. I think those are really great tips that developers at any level can really benefit from. So thank you guys for sharing those. Our sponsor today is This.Labs, a best-in-class consultancy specializing in staff augmentation, architecture support, and leadership, and training for startup and enterprise organizations. Find out more at this.labs.com or send us an email at hi at this.co. As we kind of segue into our next section here for picks, we're basically going to go around and just share, share something really cool. It doesn't necessarily have to be technical, but it's just something we want to share with the listeners here. So as we get started, we'll go ahead and start with Daisy. Yeah, so I'm going to be completely different this week and mention, I, I guess it's under the food category, it's coffee. So yeah, food and drink category. So the, this company that I've been getting like whole beans from is called Bones Coffee. And they have some really crazy flavors. So uh, my favorite right now is French toast. So it kind of tastes like, like maple syrup. They Ooh. also have like French vanilla. They have a bananas foster flavor. Oh, which man. <laughs> and so these are all like roasted with the flavor. So it's no like syrup or artificial flavoring. And then they have like sea salted caramel mocha. Mm. Um, I think one reason why I love this company so much besides their, their fun flavors is their branding. So it's called bones Mm -hmm. and all of their packaging has like skeletons doing funny things. So the banana foster one, the skeleton is in new Orleans at Mardi Gras. So you've got all the Mardi Gras colors, their sea salt one is a skeleton dressed up like a pirate holding a mermaid and it's called salty (laughs) siren so yeah they're they're funny even if you don't like coffee i'd recommend just going to their website and and looking at the fun art styles so that is my pick that's pretty cool mine isn't as variety i just thought of it a few minutes ago and let's see if it works okay kind of i always have an issue because of the green screen Eh. okay so mine is a um oh there we go is a Jesus rooster team? Yeah, mine is a um, water tumbler. I think is what you guys call it. It's or water holder, water cup, and it's just a simple cup with the rooster teeth logo. And it's it's special to me because I've been a fan for with them for well, since 2012. I think so. It's a lot, you know, many many years with them. And I, I think if it wasn't for them, you know, I wouldn't be able to get through some of the hard stuff because they they really do know how to be, make people laugh and have that community and then also the fact that you can't even get that cup anymore so it's limited edition yeah i so. love rooster teeth I, I got to go to rtx one year which was fun i'm very jealous of you i haven't been able to meet any of the people since so a lot I of met, like i don't think even think ray is still with them but i met ray do you remember him yep yeah okay. i was yeah. like <laughs> the beginning so i remember i remember everyone pretty much yeah. and so sad I didn't get to meet him when he was in the Achievement Hunter. And apologies for going off and being a fan. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> My pick is these, I, I kind of splurged on these hair clips by a company called Machete, Machete Jewelry. They have like jewelry too, but um, I love surfing the Buy It For Life subreddit, which just has like stuff that like, usually they mention like good brands that like last forever. And I kept buying like these cheap hair clips that would just like, like the claw clips that would just like snap and break if you drop them or something. (laughs) So I decided to buy these like acetate 
claw clips from them and they're like hand screwed and stuff they say but they have a lifetime warranty so if they ever break I can like send them in and they'll fix them but um, they come in a bunch of really beautiful designs too but if you ever want to feel really luxurious clipping your hair back they're great that's awesome I also run into issues with clipping my hair like with the claws like one or two of the prongs always break off and then it doesn't hold up very well so yeah, the prongs on these they're like pretty thick like I don't know if you can see these are their smallest mm-hmm. clips sorry I'm showing a picture but even their smallest clips are like an inch or inch and a half wide but they're really great see I need that because I have super super thick hair and I every time I want to like put my hair in a clippy I put it in and then it just like the clippy starts falling out of my hair because my hair is so thick because the clippy won't like stay shut. So I need those. (laughs) Awesome. So I guess my pick is a little bit more generic, but it's just using a label maker. That's something that I feel like I'll see Instagram stories and videos on and I'm like, I'm not going to go out and buy no label maker. Well, I did. And it's awesome. Um, It's really helped me with sort of my decluttering process and just helping me organize things in a way that I'm actually going to use the things I have. So I've been aspiring to have a bit of a more minimalist lifestyle, just not having things just for the sake of having them, right? Or not just keeping them for like the what if situations that have not happened in over five years, you know what I mean? So it's been helpful to use label makers specifically. I'm using them on those, like those plastic photo storage boxes, which I don't know if by the description people will know what I'm talking about, but if you go to like Michael's or the container store, they'll have the smaller photo storage boxes, but then they have a larger box where you can put those storage boxes in. And so I actually ended up using that to sort of house all the little knickknack kind of stuff that don't really have a separate place. So for example, even like little paper clips and little binder clips that don't necessarily fit in a separate box very well. And usually the other boxes are way too big for how small those things are. And it's really annoying. So it's been really fun um, organizing those. And I have them all set alphabetically. And so it makes me feel like so comfortable and proud, you know what I mean? And it's just one less thing that is like in the back of my mind, just like nagging at me. So I have been honestly putting labels on totally unnecessary things. But what's really cool, which I have not found a label maker to do this yet, but if you can find a label maker that is also in other languages and you're someone who's trying to learn that language, it'd be pretty cool to label something. Granted, you could do that with a sticky note as well. But if you just happen to have a label maker that's cool like that, then I think that's a really cool thing to try out as well. So yeah. I need to get into that. I watched the like Maria Conda, the, I think it's like <laughs> Art of Tidying. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it came out a couple of years ago, um, I was really sick when I was watching it. It was just one of those, it was on Netflix. I'm like, yes, sick, just going to throw it in the background. I went through my house and was like getting rid of like, so much clothes. My mom was mad because the end up taking them all to her house so she can do something with them. But when you said that, that's what reminded me of that because I need to get out of this whole clutter, like lifestyle. Our house is pretty clean, but I have one junk drawer and it's like killing me. So I just, I (laughs) I know I need to go in there, but it's because of the what ifs. Like I keep pins in that drawer because it's downstairs and I don't want to keep all the pins on my desk because what if I need a pin while I'm at the kitchen table? Yeah. So thanks for sharing that. <laughs> awesome. Well, that wraps up this episode of She's in Tech. Thank you, Star, for joining us and Maria and Daisy for also joining us. Make sure to check out the other episodes and let us know if there's anyone you want to see or if you have any questions. So thanks, everyone. Thanks. Bye.
Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.